This is season four of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Today on the show, our topics include inventions, music, sports, and yummy food. Yes, of course, news from around the world, and we'll open up the mailbag. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Welcome to episode three. Here we go. Innovations, ideas, the Totally Useless Information Podcast presents Inventions. If you're spray painting something and you get hungry, do not be afraid. Fret no more because a Danish company, the Delhi Garage, developed food finish edible spray paint. Oh, yes, I've seen it. Yes, yeah. you can spray paint cookies. That's right. It's yeah. available in gold, silver, red, and blue. So you can trick your family and friends into believing that you have a solid gold bird for Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, here's an interesting one. The guy who invented the waterbed was unable to patent it. Why? Okay. He invented the waterbed, but he was unable to patent it because when he went to patent it, the, the copyright office had said to him, the concept had appeared in a science fiction novel a few years before. So the concept for the bed filled with water was in a sci-fi film. Wow. And so his invention was sunk. <laughs> you know what would be really embarrassing if you wet your bed in a waterbed? Anchors away. A motorized bathtub. In 1960, a new mode of transportation appeared on the streets in Kingston in Surrey, B.C. Three students decided to attach wheels and a motor to a bathtub, drive the bath around the busy Kingston High Street area, much to the bewilderment of the locals. It had a rearview mirror made from a bath brush, and a rubber duck acting as a horn. Okay. The, oh, wow. The motorized bath was created by three students from the local technical college to raise money for their charities week. And you never have to worry about a car wash because you're constantly washing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you mind uh, putting that uh, motorized bathtub to the car wash, please? Don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. We all know Queen Elizabeth. Yes. She invented... The gingerbread man, the gingerbread man cookie, the cookie itself the was invented by the queen. She wanted sweet cookies made and fashioned into likenesses of people to kind of mimic the guests that she was having at her party. So the the chef invented this gingerbread, which it was very, very easy to make cookies out of and to cut sharp edges and so he invented the gingerbread cookies i've seen gingerbread cookies and i know you have as well so yeah. she had some strange looking guests <laughs> <laughs> you know i, I little buttons and I smiley do. faces what i wonder is when you have a gingerbread man do you bite the leg the arm or the head first oh yeah i i actually tell it too all right this is gonna hurt Tell us. Tell us the secret. Yeah. So we all remember the great uh, 60s classic toy, the hula hoop. Before it was known and recognized as the common colorful plastic toy, sometimes filled with water or sand, by the way, the traditional hula hoop was made of dried willow, grapevines, or stiff grasses. Though they've been in existence for thousands of years, it was often incorrectly believed that they were invented in the 1950s. 
Now, I have this guy's book, author Charles Panati, author of Extraordinary Origins of Everyday Things, records a craze with the usage of wooden and metal hoops in the 14th century England. He reports mm. that the doctors treated patients suffering from pain, dislocated backs, and even heart failure due to hooping. Panati also says the name hula comes from the Hawaiian dance in the 18th century due to the similar hip movements of the hula dance. Hula hoops. Really? We need to find out. Could you imagine, like, that's where saying certain sayings come from? So the doctor's probably saying, look at this moron. He hurt his back. What a hoople. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a, a big shout-out to Charles Panati. It's a great book, Extraordinary Origins of Everyday Things, and it has anything from traditions to uh, how things were invented. As a matter of fact, there are a couple of items on this show that I've gotten from his book, but it's definitely a great book for you to read. But after you listen to yeah. Totally useless information with Nick and Roy, of course. Yeah, so big shout out to uh, Charles Pinata. Get a life, okay? <laughs> Get Panati. a life. Charles Panati. We're the only ones that have no lives, okay? <laughs> okay? Don't make us look good. Okay, Nick spoke about the hula hoop, which is a big circle. Well, I got one that's very similar. It's called the mono wheel. Ah. And though you may not have heard of it, it was invented in 1932 by J.H. Purves. What a perv. <laughs> well, J.H. Perv invented this big circular wheel, very thin mm -hmm. circular wheel, that's that he could sit inside, and there were two wheels attached to the inside of the wheel, which spun, spinning the original big wheel that he sat inside of. So this single wheel would run down the street. Actually... He made a gas and an electric-powered version in 1932. So, you know, Elon Musk thinks he's making the electric cars for the first time. What a moron. There were electric cars in the 20s, the 30s. Give me a break. But it never caught on, and the new company, pretty much like the Teslas, <laughs> but the new company is, there's a new company in the Netherlands that's taken the idea and put a new take on it and they're starting to become popular, the mono wheel. That's fantastic. That's great on gas, too, by the way. Uh, oh, sure. Here he yeah, you can run it on broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's green energy. Here he comes. Biologist analyst Alan Dowden of Seattle. He's from the Seattle Sperm Bank. He rides the... Is he a teller? Is he a teller? No, he's not. <laughs> So oh. he works at the Seattle Sperm Bank, and he rides the sperm bike. It is a custom-designed, high-tech bicycle used to transport sperm to various fertility clinics. The Ooh. bike makes use of liquid nitrogen cooled in vacuum containers. The Seattle Sperm Bank rides the sperm bike on the streets of Seattle, including biologist analyst Alan Dowden. So last week on the sex portion, we learned that sperm travels at 28 miles per hour. I wonder right. if the sperm bike travels at the same speed. It has to. <laughs> Otherwise, he spoils the whole batch. Yeah, exactly. He just wants to keep the sperm happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as he's going by, he's like, on this side is the Chrysler building. <laughs> he's, he's giving tours. <laughs> up ahead is a statue. Up ahead is an egg. Up ahead. <laughs> Run up ahead is an egg. Go for it. Oh, my God. What are some of the greatest inventions of all time? Well, we'd have to say probably that the wheel is the number one invention of all time. But 
firearms. Firearms are right up there. Invented in the 11th century, right after the invention of black powder. Somebody realized you put the powder in a pipe and boom, you blow a, you know, a rock <laughs> out. And then, of course, they fashioned bullets and they got better and better. But the firearm would change the world forever. You would have countries, strong countries, strong borders, so on and so forth. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, and now for something completely new. From Beethoven to Bieber, rock and roll, to rhythm and blues, this is Totally Useless Music Information with Nick and Roy. Yes, as we tickle the ivories here, a brand new topic. It's music. We're a couple of episodes in now, and this is courtesy of a listener. She went to nickandroy.com and sent us a suggestion. And so here we are talking useless music information, Roy. Okay, yeah, we always do what our listeners tell us to do because we're mindless idiots. Okay, the famous guitar player Jeff Beck Mm -hmm. was talking to another great guitar player, Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page had just left the band that he was in, and Jeff asked if Jimmy was going with his new band to play at Woodstock because they were all talking about Woodstock being a big concert. Well, Jimmy said, no, it's too soon. We don't even have a name. So they were speaking, and Jeff asked what type of music they played, and Jimmy said, we play like like kind of blues rock. And Jeff Beck said, wow. That'll go over like a Led Zeppelin. There you go. And so Jimmy ran back to the band and said, guys, I got the name Led Zeppelin. And the rest is music history. There you go. On <laughs> totally useless information with Nick and Roy. See, it's not so useless after all. Well, Pink Floyd performed on the various monikers in their early years, including T-Set, Sigma Six, The Screaming Abdabs, and... Leonard's Lodgers, named after their landlord, Mike Leonard. Okay? Leonard's Lodgers was one of the monikers that Pink Floyd used in their early years of their performances. They're great. Pink Floyd's the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could sit there and just listen to their albums. The the Wall, especially, is one of my favorites. The longest marathon of karaoke. Oh, no. This one I love. It lasted five days. Okay, actually, it was 101 hours, 59 minutes, 15 seconds by Leonardo Poloverini in Italy on September 23rd of 2011. Mamma mia. When asked, yeah, when asked, he said, I sing, I sing the song, I sing out loud. <laughs> or or from the movie Groundhog Day, I got you, babe. <laughs> Can you imagine? 101 hours. I mean, I sing. I don't think I could even sing for 101 hours without completely losing my voice. No, and uh, after, of course, uh, while the, actually while the people were listening to the karaoke performer, uh, the drinking rates went high in, t- in that country. People were drinking more think, and more. And 15, 15 seconds in, if he stayed for another couple of seconds, he would have had an even 102 hours. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. How useless is he? My goodness, Leonardo, <laughs> please. Um, so on uh, during the music segment, if you notice, we're not playing any music because we like to abide by the laws. 
You know, there's some uh, people who play a snippet of music and say, I'm just going to play a few seconds and not give the proper royalties or the rights to whoever wrote and performed the song. So we're not going to play any music in this section, but we're going to give you some useless facts that you're going to walk away going, I have to listen to this. We also want to say that yeah. we go by the rules. We, we play do. by the rules. If you go back and listen to the introduction to Eddie Floyd's Knock on Wood, okay, it's a classic, is the mm -hmm. same as the intro to In the Midnight Hour. The chord I, progression I, is played backwards. Both songs were co-written by guitarist Steve Cropper. Economical work, Mr. Cropper, because he took the same intro and he just changed the chord progression playing it backwards. So the two songs are Eddie Floyd's Knock on Wood and In the Midnight Hour. Yeah. Okay, yeah. There you go. You better knock. Knock, knock, knock. Mozart, famous for amazing, complex symphonies, wrote a musical, get ready, called Ein Musiker, Scher und Spaß, because it was from Deutschland, und Liechtenstein. <laughs> But again, it was called Ein Musikerscher Spass. Right. Or, in Italian, Diverto de Mente. Excuse me, Diverto de Mento. Which is, it's translated as a musical joke. Okay? And it was. It was believed that he wrote it as an insult or a joke to people's taste in music. He probably was being wise and said... I'm going to make this completely ridiculous junk and see if these people listen to it. And they did. <laughs> no one really knows for sure if that's what he did. But, I mean, it's pretty horrible. This guy messed with the audience, you know. And he was a genius in doing so. So we all know Elvis Presley lived at Graceland. Mm -hmm. All right. Where did the name Graceland come from? His mom? No, it was named after the original owner, S.E. Toof's daughter, Grace. Wow. He owned the house, and his daughter's name was Grace. It is the second most visited private residence in the United States, outside of the White House, of course. But Graceland was named after the original owner's daughter named Grace. Amazing. The largest? This is, this is one, folks, that, that people are going to say, you know. You've heard of concerts like in Central Park. I think there was like a million people. Mm -hmm. at the Simon and Garfunkel Central Park. Yeah. You know, they've had concerts of a million people, which is just amazing. Okay, but the largest free concert ever was in Rio de Janeiro, New Year's Eve, 1993, on Copa Beach. Get ready. How many people do you think? All right, so I'm looking at the studio audience. There are five people in the audience because of social distancing. Uh, three million Okay, 4.2 million people wow. watched as Rod Stewart performed. Rod Stewart had 4.2 million people in Rio de Janeiro on New Year's Eve 1993 on Copa Beach. Said a person at the very back, okay, he said, Rio? What are you talking about? I'm standing in Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the ironic thing. So the very person at the very back, when, when the, the clock struck midnight, he had nobody to kiss. 
So the most popular, the most, the best-selling musical instrument in the world, okay? Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to the show, as you always do, as we suggested, you know, have a, a pen and paper handy, crayon, eyeliner, pencil, whatever, write it down. The world's best-selling musical instrument are harmonicas. Originated in the early 1800s in Europe, they gained popularity in the 1920s in the United States and are used in blues recordings, as we are familiar with that sound, the blues recordings. By 1986, the harmonica maker Honer produced one billion harmonicas. Wow. You, you know, I would think because people buy them for kids as well because they're so inexpensive and they're they're a fun thing that again it's a musical instrument that you could probably buy for you know three or four dollars maybe ten dollars you know even a good one i have a good harmonica and it's probably like 60 bucks you know 50 bucks so wow yeah cool and they have your dna all over it it's worth a lot more on ebay you're listening yeah well, it blows. <laughs> you know what? You can actually suck and blow at the same time. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Sports. Play ball. Wow. Yo, sports rooney Oh, yes. Balls galore. Balls and strikes. <laughs> and we're not even playing baseball. Oh, yeah. The old round ball. This is a story filled with hot air. The first female parachutist, because parachuting is a sport. I did not know that. Okay. But parachuting is considered a sport uh-huh. and, uh, and also uh, risking your life. The first woman to jump was in 1799. Now you say, how did she jump in 1799? There were no airplanes. That's well, right. there were no airplanes. She jumped from a hot air balloon. A French woman named Jean Genovieve Agarnina. Okay, so that's French. Genovieve, I like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It is. I, 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 you know how I feel about the French, but Genovieve. Yes. <laughs> but you have to say Genovieve. Is I like that. Okay, she jumped from a hot air balloon. Okay, when she reached the bottom, her husband was surprised because he said, I didn't know she had one of those on her back. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, she was wearing parachute pants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she said her name on the way down. She was like, Genevieve. Genevieve. The first pocket billiards championship was played in 18... Pocket pool? Pocket pool, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those of us who played pocket pool in high school, this one's for you. The, uh, the Christopher Columbus High School in the Bronx. A big shout-out to all, the, all of our classmates, which, by the way, more and more are on, on our Facebook page. If you go to... Uh, Totally useless information with Nick and Roy on Facebook. You'll find our Facebook page there. And our former classmates at Christopher Columbus High School are listening. So, hello. Big shout out to all the professional pocket pool players. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) They're world champion pocket pool players. But the first pocket billiards championship was played in 1878 with the dominant form of the game being American four ball billiards. (laughs) <laughs> Yo, four, four, ball. four ball billiards yes and he's and he sang bass professional mm-hmm. players became so well known that cigarette cards were issued featuring the players the most famous pool game of course is eight ball was invented shortly after 
1900. It's the four ball billiard pocket pool player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, this next one, I tried to check this fact out, and I was not able to check it out, although I did find it twice. So I would assume that this is correct, but I had to do this one because I was so shocked by it. Major League Baseball, MLB, mm-hmm. sends most of their broken bats to third world countries. Okay, they send them by the boxes because they break bats all the time. Yeah. And they send them by the boxes as building supplies and so that third world countries can use them as crude weapons. Really? That shocked me. Now, of course, they've been doing it since the, you know, the the 20s and 30s, so they may not be doing it anymore because I don't think that's politically correct. Here's a bunch of clubs for you guys. (laughs) You might want to greet your neighbor. (laughs) You know that fence that you put up? (laughs) By the way, yes. Uh, Here's an oldie but a goodie. The oldest continuous trophy in sports is the America's Cup. It started Mm. in 1851. Now, those of you who don't know what the America's Cup is, Roy, what's the America's Cup? It's a a large cup that people drink from in (laughs) states in America. (laughs) <laughs> since 1851 no it's a sailing race yes yeah in fact that's funny because uh one of the things that i was going to have was talking about the u.s constitution which was a, a boat that won the america's cup twice it started in 1851 with the americans winning for 132 years consecutively Wow, they knew what they were doing until australia came along and took the cup in 1983 they probably didn't win it. They just took it. <laughs> Can't trust those Australians. You know, they go down under. <laughs> yeah, but if you're into that kind of thing, sure. Ah, you know, whatever. Whatever happens in Sydney stays in Sydney. She says Ooh. hello, by the way. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> what was <poor> Sydney? <laughs> what happened to Sydney stays in Ooh. Sydney. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Nine months later. Oh, my God. Hello. You know, it's all how the sentence is thought about. You know, it's not what you say. <laughs> yes. Okay. Pete Rosell was the commissioner of the NFL. You knew that, correct? Because he was the commissioner for uh, a very long time. Yes. Of National Football League, for those that don't know. Pete Rosell was the commissioner. He was born with a spinal protrusion that looked like a small tail. Oh, which he could have had removed, but kept it all his life. He said it made him feel more comfortable when he was just hanging around. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this moron, Pete Rosell, that was the commissioner of the NFL, could have had this little protrudence tail, an actual tail. The man was born with a tail. Wow. So imagine how embarrassing the first coin flip at a football game was. Heads or tails? Roselle's like, what? So speaking of the NFL, where did the San Diego Chargers name come from? Did it come from a credit card company, you think? Wrong. No. No. Well, the original. No, this one. Get your pens ready. Get your pens and and eyeliner, crayons, pencils ready because this one's going to the one you have to write down and tell your friends. The original owner of the team was hotel heir Baron Hilton, son of Conrad Hilton. They founded the Hilton Hotel Group, of course. Baron Hilton was the founder of the charge card company Card Blanche. 
And many mm. assumed that the San Diego Chargers got their name from the credit card reference. But no. He debunked that rumor in an interview with the L.A. Times in which he noted that a contest was held to pick the name of a team, which often happens in any, any sport, in any city that has a new team. He said the name came from a ubiquitous trumpet call followed by a collective charge. You know, at a game, da 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 Charge, charge often uttered by the fans. Chargers. That's right. Which I tell you though, it's confusing because their their symbol it looks like a bolt of lightning. Well, right? as a matter of fact, from this came the name Chargers, and the rest, of course, is history. And that lightning bolt on the helmets originated from Hilton's passion for flying. Wow. There you go. So the wow, San Diego nice. Chargers were not named after the credit card company declined. He's just a narcissistic bastard. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Pete Rosell was like, hey, take a look at this. I can wiggle it. <laughs> yes, we'll be cash for charge. <laughs> charge this. Yes. <laughs> How do you like it, Sydney? <laughs> oh, poor Sydney. In, in 1948, during a two week. Okay, now this one, folks, you definitely are going to want to hear because this is just to give you an idea of how screwed up things were in 1948 during a two-week hamstring injury the dodges replaced jackie robinson in the lineup with a man named herschel morowitz but to make matters worse they put him in blackface no so that nobody would notice that jackie was missing oh that's horrible other than the fact that uh, probably herschel never hit a home run or a base hit for that matter he probably said what's going on there's my schmear <laughs> i want the corned beef because it's very lean it's lean yeah. there's jackie what's this black stuff on my face oh. what are you doing to me that's horrible. Can you imagine? That's disgusting. In 194, that is horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. So um, I think you're a fan of boxing, aren't you? A little good uh, fight? Yes, I'm a big fan of boxing. All right. In yeah. fact, I'm such a fan of boxing, I'll punch you in the face. Oh, <laughs> there you go. 1,500 miles apart, and yet I felt that one. Those of you who aren't boxing fans, you still might be interested because they call it a boxing ring. And you're thinking, wait a minute. It's a boxing square. It's not a ring. It's a square. Why do they call it a boxing ring? Because it used to be round. Instead of its present form, the spectators used to stand in a circle around the fighters when the sport first became popular. So that's why they called it the boxing ring, and they kept the name even though it's a actually a rectangular boxing ring. Wow. Well, well, all boxing rings, a lot of them are different sizes. Depends on what the ruling is and where they're where they're like. Is it WBO or WBC? And the fighters themselves can opt for a larger ring. A, a good boxer loves a bigger ring because he can move around to where a puncher wants the smaller ring so he can corner you, which is pretty cool. Strategy. And Nick asked me, are you a boxing fan? And because I'm from New York, people ask me all the time about football. They're like, are you a giant fan? And I say, no, I'm a big air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's... Cool, really cool. <laughs> I do like that one, Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And now for something completely useless. The Eisenhower Interstate System requires that one mile in every five must be straight road. 
These straight sections were usable as airstrips in times of war or other emergencies. Mm, so the Eisenhower Interstate System, and, and if you've driven in the United States, it's the Eisenhower Interstate System, which requires that one mile in every five must be straight. And again, the straight sections were usable as airstrips in times of war or other emergencies. And then some schmuck put wires up just to mess with the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see you dip in between these. <laughs> now, I found out that the, the way the interstate system numbering system works the odd numbers are roads that travel north south and the even numbers travel east west well and down in florida we normally do mile markers so our exits normally are the mile marker that you're at there you have it from from starting from the tip of florida to the end of florida and if you're from new york and you've ever driven on roads in new york and you've driven on anything that robert moses did like the hutchison river parkway or the taconic state parkway they are the most beautiful roads ever made because robert moses didn't want to interrupt the beauty of let's say a mountain so he put the road around it but in doing so he created death traps if you've ever <laughs> driven on those roads in the winter time it is horrifying. So you mean that? The, are you telling me that Robert Moses split the Hutchinson River? <laughs> Robert Moses. Robert Moses. Robert Moses. Moses was a lunatic, to be honest. I mean, there there's some dangerous places, in, but anyway. There you go. Now we've given you some more useless information you can shake and stick out. But if you'd like to send us an email, like many of you have, and thank you, simply visit our website, nickandroy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Okay, what's in the mail? Okay, Sydney from Australia. No, <laughs> no, no. She's down under. Ooh, Harvey from London, England. I love this, man. We are getting emails from all over the place, guys. Thank you so much. www.nickandroy.com. Just go to nickandroy.com. And send us an email. You'll get on the show. We go through the emails. Be funny. We'll put you on the show. And uh, and and ask us some cool questions. We'll put you on the show. I mean, really, honestly. And, and we do read them, which is which is uh, Nick reads them. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, "Check this one out." Yeah, read this. <laughs> well, Harvey from London, England writes, "You blokes, <laughs> right there, got us. Yeah, you blokes make me laugh so much." <laughs> okay right. and then he says thanks are you going to do more interview shows because i listened i binged listened he listened to all 67 shows that we have now something like that yeah and he loved a couple of our shows where we had interviews on where we had um pe brought people on and yes, Harvey, thank you. And we are going to be having, and not just because you asked, but but this is to let you know, we have a whole bunch of guests lined up and real different stuff too. Scientists, people in the food industry, nutritionists, a watchmaker. We have a guy that rides around the United States in a van. This guy, Scott from Go Small, Live Large. Shout out to Scott. There you go. And, uh, and, and we're going to have him on. I, I mean, it's just we're going to have some really funny shows. So thank you, uh, Harvey, for the email. That's right. And we made it really simple for you because, you know, you're really busy doing other things. So all you have to do is visit 
www.nickandroy.com and send us an email. What's in the mail? Here's a topic we haven't done in a long, long time. My stomach is grumbling. Your weekly sweet and savory facts of totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Come and get it! That jingle is, uh, that intro is one of our first original ones since we started uh, from episode one, I think. It goes way After back. After you made that, I began to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a food that only has three ingredients. You know, you read those food labels, and most of the time you can't pronounce half of the stuff, any of the ingredients, right? You're reading, you go, what the heck is this? But what if I told you that one food item contains only three ingredients they are corn corn oil and salt that's it the food fritos whoa three ingredients corn corn oil and salt that's it nothing else no spices nope corn corn oil and salt that's amazing i like fritos corn corn oil and salt that's it I like dipping them in an onion dip made with uh, sour cream, riboflavin, Minnesota maca maca. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we should do that. I think we should, in an upcoming food episode, folks, you're in on something really brilliant here because even though we have planned a show, but we can also like think out loud and, and I have an idea for maybe what we can do in the food section in the future episode. Folks, I hope you're enjoying this show because if Nick gets his way and we start reading labels, the show's over. No, but but what I what we're going to do is I know that the show is for the audience, but I think you and I should should read some labels and come yes. up with the ingredients and the other person has mm-hmm. to guess what it is. Okay, All right? that's it. So we the, got it. We'll so, do that yeah, in, a, in an upcoming uh, episode. An upcoming show, show yes. we'll do that. Guess the food. I'm, I'm down for that. And right. there should be some sort of prize. Like, for instance, you should have to wear like an American flag shirt or I have to wear a Canadian maple leaf. Yeah, well, I, what are you, a size extra large? Uh, y- yeah, I'm sometimes order I'm double XL if it's made in China. <laughs> the Chinese make stuff small, except for the coronavirus, which is huge. What, what, what was Scott's business? <laughs> Think small, live large. <laughs> Scott's website, you said? Yes. Go small, live large. Okay. Yeah. He's a cool guy, man. I met him. He's going to be on the show. We're going to have a lot of fun with him. All right, cool. cool. Okay. The number one source of antioxidants in the American diet, the number one source is coffee. Can you imagine that? Coffee. It doesn't even have much antioxidants, but it does have some. But because we drink so damn much of it, it is the number one source of antioxidants. I know I get my share of antioxidants. (laughs) Super healthy now. Yes. Yes, it helps fight aging and heart disease. I guess that's why I look so damn young. I have about 35 cups of coffee a day now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's good to the last drop. That's why everyone looks like a college student that works at Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the reason why. They're really not. They're in their 80s. Hey, name the product good to the last drop. What's the product? Good. Uh, Maxwell House. Thank you very much. Ding, ding, ding. You win an all-expense-paid trip to the other room. Okay, sink or swim, different fruits and vegetables will float or sink depending on their density. In general, apples, bananas, lemons, oranges, pears, and zucchini will float, while avocados, potatoes, mangoes will sink. 
Others like mm. turnips and sweet potatoes sometimes sink and sometimes they float. Depends on how they feel. I wonder. Let's. We should have a test to see if you eat them. If the <laughs> aftermath <laughs> floats or sinks. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the food segment. How disgusting is that? It was. Listen, according to Dr. Raz, if it floats, it's a good thing. But anyway, go on. You were saying. Nobody said we're classy. In China, home of the corona, um, <laughs> birds nest soup. Birds nest soup is a delicacy. Oh. It's very, very expensive. Have you ever heard of it? Bird's nest soup? No. I've actually heard of this. Okay. It's considered an aphrodisiac. It's supposed to promote a healthy life. You're supposed to live longer if you eat bird's nest soup. Uh -huh. It's it's like it's like five hundred dollars for a bowl. It's crazy. But they use the bird's nest of the swiftlet bird. Swiftlet. The nest is made not from twigs and stuff like that, but from the bird's saliva. Oh. So it's very hard to find them, and the birds, uh, you know, then they take this bird's nest, and they make a soup out of it. The birds are so mad that they could spit. <laughs> I take a egg roll, beef and broccoli, a little fried rice. So you're saying that bird spit is a delicacy, and it's expensive. Why? <laughs> Why? Why saliva? <laughs> Why? <laughs> When young French women, your favorite, they immigrated to what was near the New France in an effort to help boost the population. In the kitchen, the women made sugar pieces with the ingredients available to them. They were different than the ones they made back home. So with an abundance of sugar, maple syrup, and dried fruit and butter, they created what would evolve to become an iconic Canadian dessert that is what we all know and love, butter tarts. I've never had one. Are they good? They're delicious. They're really, really, they're rich and really sweet. Because, I mean, sugar, maple syrup, and dried fruit, and, of course, butter. Butter charts. How do they last out of, like, refrigeration? They ate them really quickly. All right. Well, would you send one down here? Sure. I absolutely. mean, I'm diabetic, so one will do. Well, I'm sorry. What did you say? You're diabetic? Yeah. I'll send you a six-pack. <laughs> you <laughs> I like to taste that. That sounds good. It is really good. What's actually. it called? Butter tarts. Butter tarts. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that 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 does really sound good. Chewing on roasted coffee beans can cure bad breath. Not to mention, give you the antioxidants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two in one. Yeah, exactly. But it can cure bad breath. The beans kill bacteria that cause bad breath, and now. The only problem is you have to explain to your girlfriend uh, why your eyes are so dilated and your teeth are chattering and they're that ugly yellow color. <laughs> <laughs> but your breath smells beautiful. It does. <laughs> if you travel around rural southern Africa, you're likely to come across mopane worms. Mopane worms. They're either canned or at a market. What do these mopane worms taste like, you ask? What do these mopane worms taste like, you ask? Uh, Nick, what do those worms taste like? Some describe the taste <laughs> as burnt steak, crunchy and oh. salty, and, of course, butter and peanuts. The mopane worm. Wow. So don't even bother sending that. Just send the worm down and I'll have a <laughs> steak meal. And... Burnt, no, it's burnt steak, old... burnt steak, burnt steak, crunchy and salty, and butter burnt and snake. peanuts. <laughs> burnt snake. Burnt snake. Oh, that sounds right. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you hear that, Sydney? Burnt snake. 
you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. I have one more, Nick. I know you do. That's what's just, I was reminding the people what they're listening to. I think they know. Yeah. I think they know where they are. These people are smart, Nick. Yeah, and they're they also... smarter than we give them credit for. While flying in a plane, which is a good place to be flying. Yes. <laughs> the altitude will make your food taste different. Oh. Now, don't you always say the food in planes sucks? Yeah. It's terrible? Well, guess what? The altitude changes your body chemistry to the breakdown of food tastes. Okay, said a spokesman from American Airlines. Well, I think it's because their food just sucks myself. But <laughs> the spokesman from American Airlines is making some bullcrap story. Well, you see, at the altitude of 30,000 feet, you can't taste, uh, everything tastes like cardboard, which is uh, why the steaks are cut out of cardboard. <laughs> and they taste burnt. Burnt steaks. Yeah, like worms. Like worms. <laughs> I read somewhere once, and this is you know useless information that bounces around in our heads, that American Airlines saved thousands upon thousands of dollars by eliminating one olive out of each of their salads. What? Yes, they saved thousands and thousands of dollars by eliminating one olive. So they're I'm, crooked, I tell you. They are crooked. No, they're not. American Airlines. They're uh, a future sponsor one day. But anyway, Don't start me on American Airlines. All right, so okay. we, we've on the show today on Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, we talked about inventions, we talked about music, sports, and food. Now it's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. In 2019, 33-year-old Betsy Ross, no, not that Betsy Ross, but she was at a park in California with her family when they found a duck's nest. All of the eggs, sadly, were smashed except one, which Ross's children begged her to save. She popped it into her sports bra to keep it safe. After some research, she decided her best option, or her breast option, was to leave the egg pressed against her body. Boy, wouldn't you want to be an mm. egg right now? She nestled it mm -hmm. for more than 30 days, placing baggies of warm water under her chest to raise the incubation temperature, among other things. Eventually, the duck began to peep, and after difficult hatching, it survived. The bird bonded with Ross, so she fashioned a carrier for it out of a headband. What did they name the duckling? Chester. Ah, Chester. <laughs> His last name, Chester Nipples. <laughs> no, now, where does this woman live? In uh, Visalia, California, actually. Visalia, California. So, so we need to go to Visalia like, and lay in her front lawn. Yes. Maybe she'll just put us... In her sports bra, yes. In a sports bra for a while, carry us around in a sports bra. This woman's got a pretty big sports bra. There's ducks hanging around in there and stuff like that. <laughs> There's a gaggle of geese and ducks and everything else. Well, yeah. well we want to thank you for joining us uh, week after week. We will scour the internet and gather. I'm not thanking them. They should be thanking us, Nick. We're giving them good stuff here. Yes. And thank you for joining us and learning <laughs> oh, stuff. We will, we will, at least I will scour the internet. He will too. We scour the internet every week and gather more useless information for you guys next time so thank you yes so in the meantime we want to say bye to sydney uh visit our website bye, for a full library of episodes they're all on there just go to www.nickandroy.com nickandroy.com it's that simple 
You can you can listen to all of our episodes, and they are some of them are so funny. Also, tell a friend about the trend. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.